Okay, back by no one's demand but our own. And from our home office here in sunny, scenic Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee, it is the 615 Sessions podcast. It's powered by Two Rivers Ford. Brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. What's going on, good people? Happy Tuesday. Hope all of you who got out to Nissan Stadium on Monday night for the open stadium practice really enjoyed yourselves. It was great to see a lot of you. A lot of listeners of this podcast, a lot of listeners of the uh, radio show on The Zone, and of course, viewers of the primetime show. It was very happy, a uh, very good experience to be able to interact with a lot of you guys, and I'm sure many of you enjoyed the opportunity to see your team for the first time in person. Today, we're going to talk about this week leading into joint training camp practices with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. John Glennon of Broadway Sports and Ben Arthur making his de- debut experience or experience yeah appearance experience either way it is an experience on this podcast and Ben Arthur had his for the first time today a lot of stuff to react to coming off of that preseason win in Atlanta and now the opportunity for things to heat up literally and metaphorically speaking in Tampa for the next couple of days I'm going to be heading down there today basically as you hear this podcast and I'll be doing the primetime show and the radio show live from Tampa and, of course, covering the game for you on Saturday. So before we get to Johnny and Ben in his debut, I need to tell you about somebody who's been around, not a debut for Two Rivers Ford. They are announcing the all-new Built For You program. Now you can order any Ford, any color, with any available features and accessories from Two Rivers Ford, and your vehicle delivered right to your door. It's just another way that Two Rivers Ford makes buying a vehicle easy. So if it's not on the lot, it's not a problem. Two Rivers Ford will order the exact Ford you want, built just for you. So ask about the all-new Built For You program at Two Rivers Ford today. Two Rivers Ford, love where you buy your Ford. Let's get to Johnny and Ben. a first-timer and an old-timer. We've got Ben Arthur of the Tennessean and Johnny Glennon with fresh hair, fresh nails, the whole nine yards, live from his living room. Boys, how are we doing? Doing well, well buddy. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So, uh, I did not – I did. we're already off – we're already off sync. We're going to have to learn how to communicate throughout the course of this podcast because <laughs> I didn't tell Ben that Glennon was coming and I didn't tell Johnny that Ben was going to be here. Because you know we like to we like to play Russian roulette with our uh, with our media compatriots to stop by the podcast. So Johnny, I'm sorry I sprung this on you. I hope you're okay. Oh, it's good. You know, a little, little surprise keeps us on our toes, and you know we can uh, we can work some good chemistry this way. Ben, I promise you, Johnny's not as bad as this as you would think he would be. <laughs> okay, I'll take your word on that. <laughs> so, uh, Glennon, at what point did you decide that you were going to bail on the Atlanta trip? Because you lied to me, John. You told me you were going, and then you did. You just didn't show up. What happened? Yeah, yeah. You know, as Thursday began to uh, to to roll into Friday, I think two things: uh, logic and perhaps laziness uh, came into my uh, uh, thinking. Good. Um, you know, uh, as much as it's a nice short journey up and back. You know, you like to keep up with the team in person. I thought, again, this is week one of the preseason. We're not going to see a starter. Actually, we did see a few, but 
you know, nothing real significant. And, uh, you know, I just felt very comfortable on that couch. So I said, young guy like Ben, full of full of energy, full of vigor. That's the kind of guy you want to see heading down to Atlanta. And, and sure enough, young Ben was on the move, I believe. Yes. Yes. Yes, I was. Um, I, I spent two nights there. Ooh. Actually, it, it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of crazy for week one of the preseason. Right. Just doing two nights but just stay with family um stay with my cousin and you know got to see my little niece who's one years old so um you know made a little family trip out of it but you know it's nice to to see some football played and hey you know some you know Rashad Weaver you know made made some noise um you know we, we, we saw some other guys especially you know especially on that defensive front kind of show out so you know looking forward to talking about all that but it was a fun trip, John. I think you missed out. Me, Buck, Jim, uh, TD. You know, we we had a good time without you. So you know, it was. It's not ben, hard. You know, Ben just hard. said, "Fuck you, Johnny." How you feel about that? <laughs> Ooh, hey, hold, hold on. We must be on a podcast here. Holy cow! Um, that's okay. Yes, I forgot, Ben, that you had uh, you had family uh, in that neck of the woods. So I'm glad you made it uh, all about family and football. It's, uh, it's a special journey, then. Very nice. It's, this podcast has already become far too serious. I've just I've just seen Glennon clutches pearls and Ben's telling me about his niece. So now I have to take a softer approach than I otherwise would. No, there was football played. It was enjoyable to an extent. Uh, once once we got through, once we got through, uh, or at least the offensive line deficiencies on both sides of the football, it was impossible for either offense to move the ball for a good deal of that uh, preseason game outside of penalties, but they did seem to find their groove as things wore on. And as uh, in Mike Vrabel's own words, Dean, P- Dean Pease quit blitzing the shit out of the quarterbacks. That was an important, uh, important note to have, but I guess Johnny, what, when you, when you watch that game, I don't know if you've watched it back or how many times you've watched it back, but what kind of outside of Weaver, cause he's the obvious and we'll get to him. What kind of popped for you? You know, I, I think we saw the defensive line, really the starters, at least two of the starters on the defensive line. Granted, they didn't play for long, but they were in there, and, and I thought they were a very disruptive group. Um, you know, and I think overall in defense, and again, I'll, I'll preface this by saying, you know, we don't know how much we can take from this because it's basically second teamers versus second teamers, thirds versus thirds, etc. But you know, overall, I thought it was an aggressive uh, group on on defense. You know, I, I thought it was similar to what we have seen in practice when we go out there on most days, and perhaps surprisingly, this defense has been better than the offense on on most days out there. And I thought that was kind of reflected out there too. You know, there was constant uh, pressure. Uh, you know, on, on the Atlanta quarterback spot. And, and I like that. And, and, you know, they, they got one turnover, looked uh, uh, very close to getting a second turnover uh, as well. So, again, these are, these are baby signs for the defense, but things like pressuring the quarterback, getting off the field on third down. We can't say things are cured because these are not starters. So, you know, how much do we know? But, but hey, you'd rather have it than not. And that's probably the, you know, kind of the uh, – primarily a primary uh, takeaway I had there. Ben didn't suffer this team on third down the way that we have, John. So I don't know necessarily, (laughs) Ben, what your expectations were going into this thing, but I had Mike Keith, who's the the voice of the Titans on the radio show today. And he said that five, five sack calls in a game is as much as he's done in a very long time. So I'm, I'm certain he was happy to see that as well. What were your impressions? 
Yeah, you know, just kind of building off of what what John said, I mean, that defensive front, you know, looked great. Like the, the backups, the reserves, I mean, even in practice, right, that they've been going up against a lot of the, the reserves or the rookies, the unproven guys, just because so many guys have been in and out. Luan hasn't been 100% yet. Ben Jones has missed several practices. Kendall Lamb has been out. Nate Davis has missed a few practices. So, you know, they, 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 they've been looking good in practices, but, but they've been largely against reserves. And for them to do it, you know, in a game, I'll be – you know, against a lot of reserves on the other side. I think that was very encouraging. But, you know, I, I was also impressed by some of the guys, you know, in, in the secondary. Christian Fulton, you know, had, you know, a nice pass break up there um, in, in, in the game. You know, I think he's a guy who's, who's really stepped up. Um, you know, I, honestly, I think, you know, the, the point, like, I think the first couple days of training camp were a little bit slower for him. But I remember that first day, that Caleb Farley was activated off the non-football injury list. He had a pick and then he had a near pick six. Uh, the, the first day Caleb was eligible to practice. So I, th I thought that was very interesting. But, you know, I, I think Christian Fulton ha has looked good. And at this point, I think he's your, your week one starter with Jackrabbit just because Caleb hasn't been doing, you know, all that much. Breon Borders, uh, another guy who, who's you could continue to make plays at, had uh, what I thought was a pick, but I rest thought the ball, um, you know, hit the ground um, in, in the game. And then just on the offensive side of the ball, I, I kind of liked what Logan Woodside was showing. You know, I think, you know, early on, especially in the first preseason game, you're playing behind a lot of reserves, um, you know, a lot of backup old linemen. There were a lot of struggles and, and, and the blitzing they struggled with. But, you know, at, at no point did he ever really lose his composure. Um, you know, he, he looked, you know, like he was in, in command of the offense. He, he kind of settled down and was able to make some nice throws to Cam Batson and, uh, you know, Mason Kinsey. And, and as Mike Rabel said, you know, he thought he handled the, the, the blitz, blitzing relatively well. Um, so so Woodside was definitely, a, you know, a standout for me. Um, you know, Kinsey, as, as I mentioned, I thought played well, too. So I think there are a lot of, you know, encouraging signs on, you know, both sides of the ball. Oh, well, I mean, you know, and uh, Woodside may have kept his composure, but Cam Batson certainly deserves more praise for keeping his composure after Woodside almost got him killed on a ball that was very well behind him. Uh, that uh, that seemed destined for a concussion, but the back shoulder throw to the uh, to Batson in the end zone was nice. Uh, I mean, for as for as good as the defense seemed to look, because you're right, and I think let, let's stick with that before we talk about the bad, because the bad was primarily on offense, and that's not something I thought we would come away uh, talking about today, but with, with the secondary, Johnny, how do you, how do you get Fulton on the field when Farley's out there? Like, I know we don't know when Farley's going to be out there. And it was weird the way that they had Elijah Molden's pads at the game. And like, they were taking pictures of it on social media. And then Vrabel tells us afterwards that he just, he didn't travel. So we have no idea, idea what's going on there. I, I mean, how, how do you, given that the top four corners are guys that you know are going to be here this year and kind of that toss up between the fifth one with Chris Jackson, seeing a lot of snaps in the nickel and the Bre Breon borders again, playing well. What, what do you kind of, what do you kind of do with that situation in the secondary whenever Caleb Farley is available? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting puzzle there. You're right. Because, uh, you know, I, I, I agree with Ben too. I don't, I don't think Caleb Farley is going to be ready, you know, to be your starter week one, but at some point, 
presumably with his talent, with his skill, and the fact that he was the first-round draft pick, uh, he's going to be in that starting lineup. Um, but, you know, Christian Fulton, obviously, is hardly a throwaway guy. You say, okay, Farley's in there. Let, let's bury Fulton on the bench. He's a second-round pick last year, you know, and a lot of it is expected of him, too. So do you go back, and Christian Fulton certainly started last year out in the slot, and the nickel, you know, had, had mixed results because that's not really his background. You know, he was not much of a slot guy in, in college um, and he was kind of forced to learn that. So do you go back and, and do that again and, and arguably get your three best guys out there in Farley, Jack Rabbit and, and Christian Fulton? Or, you know, you've got two guys who are sort of nickel specialists. You know, Elijah Molden is about as, uh, you know, lined up and, and perfect a slot specialist as you're going to find. And Chris Jackson, you know, from all we can see at camp has improved quite, quite a bit as a, as a slot guy too. So in, in that case, you know, does Christian Fulton become your fourth cornerback really? Um, now granted, you're probably going to use, you know, four corners from, from time to time, certainly in, in today's game, but you know, I think the Titans are going to have to figure out what they want there. If they want to try and press Fulton into a role where he is not immediately comfortable just to get the top three cornerbacks out there? Or do you, do you say, you know, we want, uh, you know, we want Farley and Jack rabbit our two best guys eventually um, and a slot specialist. And, and if, if that's the case, well, all of a sudden it's kind of weird that Christian Fulton is your number four guy and he's a second round draft pick. They, they did this shit last year too. They created redundancies for themselves at corner. And that was out of necessity because they had some injuries with the Dory Jackson not uh, not playing and then the Jonathan Joseph debacle. But they traded for Desmond King as a, as a slot corner and that while Fulton was hurt and then they bumped Fulton to the outside, it looked a lot better, certainly. But they spent all of the first basically three or four games of last season with Fulton in the slot and teaching him a, a more complicated position, frankly, than the one he's being asked to play right now. So it's it's a complicated dynamic. But so as Ben pointed out, Fulton has looked strong. Now, he did leave practice as we're taping this on a Monday. The people will hear it on a Tuesday. He did leave Sunday's practice a uh, little nicked up at the end of it. We are not sure the severity. Mike Vrabel gave us a timeline on Darrington Evans the other day, day to day. So maybe that? we'll get it. We'll get another one uh, when we speak to him at the stadium practice that we're all getting ready to attend here in just a little while I, on the offensive side of the I ball. Just, go ahead, Johnny. Uh, sorry, Buck. I was just going to make one more point on the, on the corner situation there. You know, it's, it's possible too, that, that, you know, the Titans are looking at more obviously than just this one year, you know, how many years is, is Jack rabbit going to be around? Um, you know, it's not a long-term deal necessarily that, that he's going to be here. So maybe, you know, you're looking eventually at Farley, Fulton on the outsides and, and maybe Molden uh, there in the slot. So maybe this year there's a little bit of a glut, albeit a young, a very young glut. You know, maybe that starts to thin out, uh, you know, in, in years to come. But anyway, go ahead. But anyway, the offense. But the it, offense was not good. The offense, uh, Logan Woodside was fine. Matt Barkley is nine years in the league, and he's beaten up on threes and fours, much to the chagrin of my buddy Luke <laughs> Worsham, who says that he's the superior quarterback, which is just pure and total idiocy, and I love Luke to death. Um, uh, let the offensive line, uh, <laughs> I mean, if any of these guys go down up front, like we have all lived the Daniel Munyer experience quite a bit at this point, not just in that preseason game, but in all the botch snaps at practices, 
I mean, I don't know what's going on with Aaron Brewer. I don't know. I haven't seen any reporting on it from anybody really among us about what he's doing on the PUP uh, and what must have been an offseason situation because he didn't end the year with any kind of injuries that we were aware of. But that's their best option as a backup, backup offensive lineman outside of Dylan Radens who I don't know necessarily that they think is any kind of ready. I mean, what, what do you, what do you make of the backup offensive line, Ben, in the action that we saw? Yeah, there's, there is some work to, to be done there. Munyer, you know, as you mentioned, has just not been, been getting it done. You know, Raiden's, Raiden's to, to his credit, I think he has, you know, kind of improved a little bit as training camp wore on, you know, we all saw that the, those first few days of padded practices, man, dude was struggling. Yeah. Like <laughs> he's really, really struggling. But, but I think, you know, last couple of practices and in, in, into the preseason game, he, he did show some promise. And, and I saw a stat from, you know, pro football focus. He, he had, you know, more than 10, you know, pass blocking snaps and he didn't allow, you know, a pressure that that's at least according to, to, to PFF. So you know, he has made strides, you know, Rabel used the word encouraging to describe, you know, the, the, the progress um, that he's made. But but yeah, all in all, you know, the, there hasn't been, you know, a whole lot, you know, to, to like there. Um, you know, even even Banwart, um, you know, he, he's basically been the third guy at center. Um, you know, he's he hasn't always looked great either. Um, you know, the, for the context for is, the audience, he's the undrafted rookie free agent out of Iowa that's been playing a little bit along the offensive line, who you saw in basically second half uh, on Friday night. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks, Buck. And um, yeah, and, and Ross Reynolds started at what left guard. I yes. have been. <laughs> He didn't. He wasn't a guy who stood out to me at all in, in practices, oh. and then I, I see him starting. So that was, you know, quite interesting. Let me, let me tell you a quick story about Ross Reynolds at this game, okay? Because we, we are obviously, us media vermin, we're not permitted on the field on, in a lot of these stadiums, I'm sure is going to be the case as the Delta variant creeps closer and closer upon us. Um, but we're in the, in the lower bowl pregame, uh, Teron, Jimmy, and, uh, and myself, and we're standing right by the tunnel where the players are coming out. Now, it just so happens that apparently it was friends and family night at the first preseason game. You saw people like Mason Kinsey have good interactions. I saw David Long with his family, drove down from Cincinnati, some family from Atlanta, all good stuff. But we're standing by the tunnel, and this woman gets up and says, hey, you guys are kind of blocking my view. We're here here to see our son. And Teron goes, oh, who's, who's your son? And she goes, Ross Reynolds. And I said, Josh Reynolds? She goes, no, no, no Ross Reynolds. And Teron and I both look at each other like, who? Dear. Starting left guard for the Tennessee Titans on Friday night. So you not can't say that to mom. You can't say that to Mrs. Reynolds. Oh, now. I did not say it to her face, Johnny, but certainly okay. I think she heard us giggling about it as she was walking away from telling us to get the hell out of her view. Proceed, Ben. Yeah, no, I, was, I mean, I was basically done. I'll, I'll kind of let John, you know, go ahead from here. But yeah, that depth just isn't looking great. And then when, when you have so many starters kind of in and out of practice, you kind of wonder you know, how it's all going to come together, you know, week one. Um, so, yeah, the, that's that's kind of an area of, of concern, I think, as we kind of, you know, get deeper into the preseason. What are your thoughts, Sean? 
Yeah, well, I think one thing to remember too, uh, and you guys have touched on this also, but you know, a lot of those problems are coming at center. Um, and we know that Daniel Monier is, is not the answer at center, but you know, a lot of those, those blitzes, uh, you know, were, were coming through those A gaps up front and then there was delayed safety blitz that came right through center too. So you would think, you know, if, if there's a higher ranked center, uh, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's why they brought in a guy like a Spencer Pulley, uh, you know, the former Vanderbilt guy, and, and he since got hurt, you would think. Yeah. Someone like him would have had that experience maybe to keep a little bit of those blitzers away. And Aaron Brewer, you know, again, we haven't seen him yet because of the injury. But, you know, I, I know they liked they saw from him at a guard last year. And I think, you know, may have been able to do better at center uh, as well. Uh, to me, it's kind of interesting what they have been doing with, with Dylan Radens, uh, moving him around. Uh, from from guard to tackle and so forth. I, I get it. I get what they're doing. They want versatility. They want him to be able to plug into different spots because, you know, let's face it, the more versatile a guy is, the less number of guys you have to keep on that 53-man roster. If you can get guards to play tackle and tackles to play guards, well, you know, that, that helps with the numbers. At the same time, here's Dylan Radens, you know, a, a guy coming from the FCS, uh, you know, from from North Dakota State, Hasn't played really, you know, they had one game last year. Uh, so here he's rolling into his first NFL camp and they're saying, hey, buddy, we're, we're going to have you play snaps at right guard, right tackle. Go you get know, him, I, Tiger. I, yeah, exactly. We, we, and let's remember he played left tackle in, in college also. Yeah. So I, I understand what they're doing and that will probably help in the long run. But, you know, I, I wonder if there's a little bit, uh, you know, of a, of a learning curve for Dylan Raidens because of that. You know, it's always difficult for rookies, and we've heard some of the rookies say it, to just get out there and play, to stop thinking, okay, what do I do on this play? What do I, you know, what are my reactions supposed to be? What's my technique? And I would guess that's increased even more for a guy like Raidens, uh, you know, simply because he's playing different positions and he has to remember different techniques where he goes. So, that probably has to do, you know, with, with some of the struggles. But I, I agree with you, Ben. I thought I thought Dylan held up uh, pretty well, actually better than I thought he was going to hold up. So I thought I thought he did okay for himself. And you know, let's be honest these these O line that we're coming down pretty hard on. Most of these guys aren't going to be on the on the fifty three uh, anyway. And and uh, you know, if they are, they're going to be reserves too. So you know, I, I don't think it's a uh, outside of the the, the um, you know, fact that they almost got Logan Woodside decapitated. Uh, um, you know, I don't think there's too much. No, too that, much concern that shit that. is so on him. That safety up the middle. He's got it. He did <laughs> right. get rid of it, but he's got to get rid of that way quicker. That, that is true. That, that there were there, there were one or two passes like that as well, where he needs to make a decision and realize, you know, live to see the next down, get rid of the ball or, or you know, uh, go down before the stack hits you as well. So, yeah, some of that's on Woodside, which could bring up. Potentially, Buck, I'll, I'll segue to your segue, if you oh. will, the, uh, the, the the backup quarterback situation. Well, Glennon, uh, Glennon, bring Glennon, how many times have you been in the rotation on this podcast? Oh, handful. Handful. And and since when have I ever asked you for nuanced opinions about offensive linemen that aren't going to be here in a couple of weeks? Like, since when do you bring – this is not what we do around here. Do not bog down the feng shui of my podcast. Otherwise, you will not be invited back. Yes, backup uh, yeah, quarterback. John, John's, John's out here trying to take the lead in the podcast. No, you know, I just – Create a segue. 
I just, bucks. who the hell are you? By the way, don't think I didn't notice that shit from you earlier, Ben. You threw it to Johnny. Like it's completely, completely, uh, <laughs> completely boxing me out of my own shtick, which is really why there's two of eggshells with this guy, for goodness sakes. What, I mean, what can we do? What can I'm we super, do right? I'm super tense. I'm three, I'm all fresh off three hours of solo radio. I'm, I'm just, you two are really just here to carry me through the final hour of the podcast. <laughs> uh, but yes, backup quarterback, uh, Logan Woodside's job to lose, Ben or no? Yes, it, it's absolutely his job to lose. I mean, he's still, you know, in my eyes, by by far the front runner. Um, as I kind of mentioned earlier, I, he did show some, you know, good stuff. I'm, some of the, those blitzes, some some of those, um, you know, hits, you know, kind of were on him, like not the failure to recognize um, what was happening. And he did acknowledge that in, in the post-game press conference. But, you know, as I also said, you know, he, he did seem to, to settle down. He seemed to be in control of that offense. And, man, he's, you know, he, he's just a guy you have to respect. Like, just the, the resiliency, you know, it seems like the Titans are always trying to get him out of there just with all the guys they bring in as competition. It was, what, Cole McDonald, the seventh rounder last year. Then, you know, he beat him out. Then it was Trevor Simeon. He beat him out, too. Then it was Deshaun Kaiser earlier in training camp. He beat him out. And now they have, um, you know, Matt Barkley, um, you know, I, and I think to, to his credit, I mean, I think Barkley did decent considering he was only, he's only been with the team like a week, you know, and they did run the ball primarily in, you know, when he was in the game in, in the second half. And I, I guess he was okay. I mean, there, there were some bad throws in there. I don't know. You know, I, I didn't see what Luke saw in, in terms of, uh, you know, Matt Barkley being way ahead of Woodside. I mean, I, I'm not going to go there, but, um, but yeah, you know, I, I think this is Woodside's um, job to lose at, at this point. Luke, Luke picks one thing every year that he's just going to harp into the ground, which makes absolutely zero sense. Like what, what about, what of anything about Mike, Matt Barkley's career makes you think that he's better than Logan Woodside or any of the other schlubs that they've run through here the past couple of years? What, what do you think, John? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I think you hit uh, hit the nail on the head right there. You know, the, the one thing that, that Barkley obviously has that Logan Woodside does not have is the NFL experience. You know, he's he's played in the league for, you know, six seasons, I think. You know, he probably started, what, uh, you know, 12, 15 games, something along those lines, although I think only one since 2018. But, you know, we've seen guys like this before. You, you know, just because you've played in NFL games doesn't mean you're a good NFL quarterback. Um, you know, his, his record as a starter, you know, there's leeway there, whether that's a quarterback stat or not, but is, is certainly not a good record. He's thrown 11 TDs and 22 interceptions in his career. Uh, you know, so are, are we looking at the next coming of a Blaine Gabbard or, or a younger Matt Castle, uh, you know, something like that, just because you've got NFL experience doesn't mean that you're better than a guy who hasn't played a game. And that to me, you know, at some point, the Titans do have to take a leap of faith with Logan Woodside. And they can say, okay, you know, Logan Woodside, you've controlled everything that you can control. You've been good every time we put you out in the preseason. You've been very good in practices. You've been a, like award-winning offseason, you know, in, the, in our camps here. Um, so, you know, we, can't, we just don't know until you get in the game how you're going to be. But at some point... You know, I think the Titans have to take that, that leap of faith here, and, and uh, they have before, obviously, with uh, with Logan Woodside, and, and say, uh, you're our guy because you've been in the system for two years. You've got that edge on Barkley. Um, and, and, again, I, I think it's going to be really tough for Matt Barkley in a matter of weeks coming into a new team 
going up against a guy who has been here for, for a couple of years in this system. I think it's going to be a challenge for, for Matt Barkley to win that. Um, and I think Barkley is probably the best of the challengers um, yeah. at that number two spot. But uh, in the yeah. end, you know, unless Logan Woodside completely falls apart in either of these last two preseason games, you know, I, I think he's going to be the guy. I won't, I won't do Matt Castle 2.0, Johnny. I won't live that life again. That was such a terrible experience every time he went into the game, the couple of years that he was here. I just, and bless him, he's a lovely man. But dear yeah. God, was he tough to watch play. Yeah, and then Blaine Gabbard, you know, same sort of thing. Great, great guy. We, we, we love Blaine. And love Blaine. Blaine on, the, Blaine on the radio show next week in Tampa. It's going to be fun. Yeah, there you go. Okay. And I'm going to tell him and, how and, awful uh, he was to watch in that Week 17 game when he just knuckleballed yeah. well, a pick to the linebacker. Really, I, I still remember, yeah, I remember after that game and you really felt for Blaine Gabbert because you knew this was a, such a great opportunity for Blaine Gabbert. You know, there was a big game. There was a lot on the line. The team said, you're our guy, Blaine, you know, step up and win us, win us this game, this big game. And he, and he just failed, you know, he, blew he it. couldn't do it. And, you know, we, I think he, you know, there, there were some tears welling up after that game because he knew, he knew that, you know, you're probably not going to get another chance at, at my age and uh, at this point, but enough about Blaine Gabbard. We're, we're not here to talk about Blaine. Super Bowl champion, Blaine Gabbard. You put your, some respect on his name, Johnny. Uh, <laughs> ben, is Des Fitzpatrick going to get cut? Oh, I, well, I, I, at this point, I, I do think so. Um, he's, he's firmly on the bubble at the very yeah. least. I mean, that practice he had, what we're recording this Monday, that practice he had Sunday just was not good at all Woo! on top of the preseason game where he didn't play until the second half and did absolutely nothing. And then up until that, you know, all those training, the, the two weeks of training camp practices, he just hasn't done you know, a whole lot in a room where you have to make plays to stand out because it's been, it's been the most competitive, you know, room in, in training camp for the Titans. Guys are fighting for spots. Guys are making plays. You know, there are a lot of conversations. Will you know, six, seven guys make the team at that position just because of how deep it's been. And he's, you know, I, he's at the bottom of, of the pecking order, you know, just in terms of, you know, of, of performances just throughout, you know, training camp. And, you know, there, there's, you know, there's a lot of talk of, well, you know, you, you can't, you know, cut a, a fourth round pick. Well, I mean, you, you can, I mean, it, it's, it's not a super common thing, right. In a fourth rounders first training camp. But, you know, it, when, when I was covering the Seahawks in, in the, those three years, they cut a, a fourth rounder um, once in those three years. I don't know how that percentage would, would, kind of stack up to, you know, just kind of league average, but, but it happens, right? Um, it, I mean, it would sting for sure with, with the Titans because, first of all, if I remember correctly, he, he had like a sixth, seventh round grade, but the Titans selected him in, not only in the fourth round, but they traded up to get him. So there's definitely the sting of that. And, and that that's, has to be something that's going, that's going to be in, 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 you know, the minds of, you know, the, the Titans decision makers when, when they have to, you know, whittle down this roster, but man, with the way some of those other guys are playing, you know, I don't know if you can, you can keep him, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a very, I know I don't want to be, <laughs> in that room uh, to, to, to make that decision. But, but yeah, but if you had to ask me now, I'd say no. Um, you know, the, the last roster projection I put out, I, I didn't, I didn't have him on there. Um, so it's, it's an, it's an uphill battle, you know, for him 
you know, at this point, he needs to show something and show something fast. I think, you know, this week in Tampa is going to be really, really important for him. Johnny, he's losing snaps to D3 Barry College, Mason Kinsey, who, by the way, balled like no, no, respectfully to Mason Kinsey. Uh, but this, it cannot, it cannot be like this with the numbers that they have a wide receiver. You cannot cut Chester Rogers for Des Fitzpatrick. You cannot cut uh, Mason Kinsey, really, even for Des Fitzpatrick. You can make the argument for, you know, NWI or Racing McMath, who Racing McMath has not done anything really uh, outside of the first day with some, you know, highlight uh, highlight real plays where he goes up and gets it in the end zone. It's just, it's, the numbers aren't there to justify keeping him. And like, you know, John is not, a John Robinson is not above punting on these dudes if it's, if it's getting to the point where he thinks that they've just got to cut bait and move on. But I mean, for, for nothing more than it's his fault. If they cut, if they cut Des Fitzpatrick, do I think Des Fitzpatrick finds a way to hang around? I don't know if anybody in the league would pick him up if they cut him, if he's a practice squad candidate, but I didn't think that anything uh, would happen with Luke Falk a couple of years ago when he ended up in (laughs) Miami, you know, two days afterwards. Yeah, well, that's the thing about Des Fitzpatrick is he picked the absolute wrong year to be a rookie that needs a project rookie for the Titans that needs a lot of polish. Most other years, you know, the Titans wide receiver depth has not been a strength of this team. And you could say, okay, we'll keep Des Fitzpatrick as a a sixth wide receiver, you know, basically a glorified practice squad guy, you know, keep him throughout the year, let him learn. Uh, so on this, this is not that year. This is the deepest group of Titans wide receivers I can, you know, ever remember seeing. And you can easily go through seven, eight, nine guys and say, this guy has earned a roster spot, you know, and, and Des Fitzpatrick is, is not one of those guys, uh, unfortunately. Um, I, you know, I just did a 53 uh, that, that came out this morning. I did not have uh, Des Fitzpatrick as one of my seven guys uh, on, mm-hmm. on the roster either, you know, and, and, Maybe the only silver lining, uh, if you don't keep Des Fitzpatrick, is that he hasn't really perked up anybody's attention. And as you say, you know, maybe maybe if you're, if you're a deep team with wide receivers and you have an open spot and you can say, we can just keep this guy, we can let him work all week, again, like a glorified practice squad guy, you know, maybe some, some team like that picks him up. But other than that, you know, what, what has he done where other teams are going to say, I got to, you know, I got to have that Des Fitzpatrick. So maybe you can just put him on the practice squad uh, if you release him, but um, you know, yeah, he just, he just hasn't done. And and we've seen Marcus Johnson have some, some great days, you know, and, and he looks like, you know, he's playing as well as he ever has in his career. Chester Rogers, you know, has the extra value of being a return guy, especially in the punt game. Uh, This team apparently loves, NWI, uh, the, the Hoosier, Nick Westbrook, Keenan. We're, we're, I'm still a little shaky on on the love affair there. You know, I, I understand he's probably a tremendous special teams guy and blocker. Johnny, we went to the yeah. same college. I don't like this guy as much as they like this guy. Like, what what is this? He physically <laughs> fights with the football instead of catching it. He's hand fighting with the football instead of catching this damn thing. Yeah, and you think that tends to be an important part of being a receiver, but I, you know, I I don't know, but. What do I know? Um, you know, and then then a guy like a Racy McMath. Honestly, I think he would be more likely to get picked up if you cut him simply because of special teams values. You know, he's a big, 
fast physical guy. And, and, you know, Mike Vrabel has talked about the impact they want him to have on special teams. So, you know, maybe he's a gunner and, and a kickoff, uh, uh, you know, uh, coverage kind of guy as well. So, Boy, uh, Des, unless you unless you perk up here in the next couple of weeks, it's uh you know, or, or who knows about injuries, but you know, as of, as of right now, I don't think the numbers look very good for him. Uh, zero urgency is is what I yeah. observe out there right now. Like he just doesn't. Well, well, he... Go ahead, Johnny. That, to, yeah, I was gonna say to that point. You remember the day before? Uh, you know, yesterday when we asked Mike Vrabel, said, you know, what does he have to do to get more snaps, to get more attention? And Mike Vrabel, who is not a guy to single out players really one way or the other too often, uh, you know, was very succinct and said a lot. And I kind of said, uh, can you maybe expand on that just a little bit? And he emphasized it even more, a lot. Um, and, and you would think, you know, maybe the next day, okay, maybe the, if, if this guy sees those comments, hears those comments, it's a little kick in the pants, a little motivation and so forth. And that's the, the day, as, as Ben just mentioned, he goes out there and, and drops at least two passes in one drill and gets his hands on another. That Three. He could have yeah, exactly. Back to back to back with the GM watching. I watched them right. send him back through the same drill and he let it bounce yeah. off his hands a third time. And I, yeah, I went so, back and so look at why it's uh, – I read everybody's practice observations just just in case I meet, miss anything, and I saw why it had him you know, rebounding a little bit later, drills I didn't necessarily see. So I want to be fair. But yeah, the urgency is just completely lacking at this point. With that yeah, guy. so so if if Mike Vrabel was trying to send a message at all, that that message did not appear uh, to to be received as best we can tell. Okay, well we'll see if anything looks any different out at Nissan Stadium today. Ben Arthur, new well, not necessarily new, but new to us, Titans reporter for the Tennessee and John Glenn of Broadway Sports at Glennon Sports is where you follow Johnny. At Ben, is it? It's not Ben E. Arthur. It's Ben Ben Y. Arthur, right? Because I keep I read it every time as Benny Arthur when I read your Twitter handle. Yeah, it, it, it depends on how you're feeling. Like some people say Benny Arthur, some people say Benny Arthur. You know, it, it kind of just depends. I mean, I I say Benny Arthur, um, so it's just like Ben Arthur. Just put the Y um, in between just one word. That became entirely too complicated for the end of this podcast. You were doing so well on your debut until you botched the landing. It's okay. Check these guys out, Broadway Sports and the Tennessee. And thank you as always, boys. Thanks, boy. Appreciate it. All right, some Music City mailbag questions to put a bow on this podcast before I head down further south, even further south into the uh, the swamps of Tampa. You guys have sent them to my Instagram DMs at Buck Rising, R-E-I-S-I-N-G, and we are going to address them here in just a second. A handful to get to with you. Before we do that, a quick word from our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. It's everyone's favorite time of year. It's just right around the corner. It's college football season, just about. To celebrate DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard that right. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any college football game no matter what. Simply download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code A to Z Sports to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code A to Z Sports to get your free $200 in free bets instantly 
for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Tennessee-only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text the Tennessee Red Line 1-800-889-9789. All right. So let's start the bidding with Jacob Neal, who is incredibly long-winded, but this was, I think, directly after the preseason game on Friday. So he writes, at Jay Neal 93 is McCann, he's referencing, of course, Tucker McCann, the kicker, getting annihilated late on that kick, something that could stick in the back of a kicker's mind, make him a tick late, hesitant, anxious going forward, you think? I just wonder if through no fault of his own, he'd be worried about taking the hit more than being focused on the kick going forward. I know NFL players should expect to take hits, but we're talking an undrafted kicker in an already desolate kicker room. Is that a risk you take, keeping someone unproven on the roster? Well, that might stick with him going forward, you think? He says, he continues, I guess what I'm getting at is, from a coach's perspective, you don't have a veteran kicker on the roster unless you use the term veteran very loosely. Do you trust keeping an unproven, undrafted kicker that you just got pointlessly decapitated to have enough veteran in him to be a professional NFL kicker and not see ghosts, a la Sam Darnold? I just wonder with this team's kicking woes over the course of the past several years whether it's worth the risk to have an unproven and now possibly rattled kicking game. Jesus Christ, Jacob Neal. (laughs) That is the most excessive question about a kicker that I've ever gotten, but I will answer it as best I can. Okay, so... Tucker McCann, we haven't seen since the preseason game, right? He got rolled up on. Uh, Mike Vrabel said on Saturday that he was still pretty sore and that they were going to continue to monitor him. Um, Tucker McCann, who's been on practice squad IR for this team previously. And, like, I mean, maybe, you know, but I just, that's such a that's such a reach, having no idea what Tucker McCann's mindset is. I really don't know Tucker McCann at all. I mean, he's somebody who got here last year and obviously – because of COVID and Zooms, we didn't really get to know this dude, and particularly because he was immediately shelved on IR, and IR players don't talk to the media. So, you know, I have no idea what kind of headspace Tucker McCann's in. All I know is that him and Sam Ficken didn't miss a kick on Friday, and Ficken was fine today. In uh, He was fine on Sunday in their practice at St. Thomas Sports Park. He was fine on Monday at the stadium practice where they were attempting field goals from various distances. In fact, I think I have the notes from uh in fact I think I have the notes from today's kicking situation good from 44 30 33 31 41 44 53 33 he missed a 48 yarder Sam Ficken making kicks on Monday at the stadium like I mean if you're that bent out of shape about Tucker McCann like that's what you have Sam Ficken for right and if you don't if Sam Ficken isn't good enough then you wait until week two where you don't have to guarantee Steven Goskowski's contract and you go to Franklin and you pull Steven Goskowski out of his house and you say, hey, you're going to kick field goals for us again because the rest of these guys suck. Like, Jacob, you are you are spinning this into, and I understand why you have a bit of a complex about kickers because in 2019 you made 44% of your field goals and in 2020 it was much better, but it was still 71%, not nearly good enough, right? So... Don't get bent out of shape about Tucker McCann getting rolled up on and like seeing ghosts. I just think that's such a far stretch from where this dude may actually be, having no idea what his headspace is and really not knowing the dude at all. So I would say to you, namaste more than anything at this point with Tucker McCann and Sam Ficken. We move on <laughs> after the longest history or the longest question in the history of the Music City mailbag. Uh, Chris Campbell. 
Rashad Weaver equals starting rotation. Epitome of edge threat. Your thoughts? So, I mean, yeah, that's ideal, right? Like, if you're keeping three outside linebackers on game day, as is their want, typically, maybe the math changes this year. You don't know. But if you're going to keep that three outside linebackers active on the 46-man game day roster, then yeah, Rashad Weaver's your three. John Simon's probably in there as well. And Rashad Weaver looked great. He's a long-term solution, uh, or at least a longer-term solution, if for you know, example, Harold Landry prices himself out of Tennessee at the end of this season and you need a viable option on the edge alongside Bud Dupree. I, Rashad Weaver is very, very raw at this point, but he played lights out against uh, twos and threes and some fours on Friday in Atlanta. He was the player of the game. He was the story of the game for a team that so desperately needs pass rush. He was getting pressure. Uh, uh, Trayvon Coley, before he got hurt, was getting pressure. Uh, Tier Tart was in the backfield consistently against the Atlanta Falcons backups. Like, there are dudes that you can roll, and I know we're talking edge here, and, and I kind of skewed into defensive linemen, but he can be both. So it kind of changes the math on game day. We're as if, you know, look at the tackle situation. If you know that Dylan Radens can play guard and tackle in a backup role, but he's not going to start, then Dylan Radens immediately, outside of being more talented than the other options, Dylan Radens immediately factors into your active game day roster because you know that he can play multiple spots. Rashad Weaver can play on the edge. He's just learning how to play as a standing up outside linebacker. He can play with his hand in the dirt because that is what he did. At Pitt, they moved him inside at the Senior Bowl to see if he could play interior defensive lineman. And in NASCAR packages, turns out he can't. So there's a lot there with Rashad Weaver that still needs to be worked on. And you don't want to go, you don't want to get out of the over the moon after one preseason game. But yeah, feel pretty good about it right now. That's Chris Campbell on Instagram. All right, uh, final Music City mailbag. It. Oh no! This is a this is a retread from uh, from last week. He's talking about Mike Vrabel uh, getting pissed off at Mike Vrabel and the way that he handles the media. So that's the music center mailbag for this week. Easy enough. A lot there to react to. A lot of good discussion. If you want to send me music city mailbag questions, you can do so in my DMs at Buck Rising R E I S I N G. Enjoy your week. I will be providing you exceptional coverage from Tampa Bay via primetime via the radio and all of the social channels. I hope to see some of you down there at the game if you are traveling, if you are not, and if you're a Tampa resident, because for some reason there have been a lot of Tampa fan, Tampa Titans fans that have hit me up recently saying they're going to be at the game. So good on them. Look forward to seeing them. Enjoy your week. Stay safe. Stay clean. As always, Nashville, stay hot. This has been the award-winning 615 Session Podcast from the DraftKings Sportsbook Studios. It's powered by our friends at Two Rivers Ford and brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com.